I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Valerie Patrick, Ph.D. Her new book is When Bad Teams Happen to Good People, Your Complete Repair Guide for Successful Teamwork. Why do some team members not get along? What is the best way to get new teams and ad hoc teams to maximize their performance in the least amount of time? How can meetings be designed to achieve useful outcomes? Teams are the source of problem-solving and innovation that today's organizations need to survive and thrive in an increasingly complex and challenging marketplace. However, teamwork is hard because there is no magic formula or step-by-step procedure to ensure results. Valerie Patrick, Ph.D., applies a troubleshooting mindset that includes proven tactics, guidelines, techniques, and examples of effective ways to operate teams that produce transformative outcomes. She is a Ph.D. chemical engineer with 25 years of corporate experience leading technical and strategic initiatives. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Valerie. Thank you, Catherine. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so teamwork. We still we still need teamwork amidst all the, the chaos that it seems that we are experiencing today, both in the office and out of the office and in communities and, uh, and actually worldwide. So I guess uh, teamwork is still is critical. And uh, title of the book, When Bad Teams Happen to Good People, how does that come about? Um, what does that mean? Why do bad teams happen to good people? I I think it happens because we're only human after all, and we are each complex in, in the way we behave and the way we think because, you know, there's been studies, behavioral scientists have looked at twins, right, and followed them through their lives. You know, they've been through a lot of the same experiences, but their brains still get wired differently because, they each have their own unique perspective, even going through the same experiences, and they end up thinking differently and behaving differently in different situations. So we're, we're complex, and when you put us together, just about anything can happen, even with good intentions. Yeah, as I said, uh, I think that's happening right now. I mean, we need teamwork to accomplish what we need to accomplish. Let's say I'm putting this in the context of the pandemic, of making decisions, of of looking to uh, government, of looking to big business to help us resolve these huge these these pandemic problems, right? We don't we need teamwork to be able to accomplish that. And but somehow it seems to me we're missing the boat. <laughs> no, we're not not doing that. Not not able to do that. You're absolutely right. We need teamwork now more than ever. Um, now the good news is that there is research out there to show that. You know, one of the most basic team skills works whether you're in person or virtual because a lot of people have to work virtual uh, because of the pandemic. That's, that's changing, hopefully, uh, as we move forward. But a lot of people have had to work virtual. And there's been some research done by Anita Woolley, who's a professor out at Carnegie Mellon University, and she studies something called collective intelligence, And collective intelligence is actually a way to predict the performance of a team. So the higher the collective intelligence of a group of people, the higher they're going to be performing as a team. And one of the things that she has found correlates with collective intelligence 
is something called theory of mind skill for individual team members. And this correlation holds whether the team works in person or if they work virtually. So that's really good news. All right. Give us a real life example of that in, in terms of let's in the well in the context of your book, for instance. Okay, how do we, as you say, how do we make these designs or uh, meetings amongst people who have to make important decisions within a company and produce what we need, like transformative outcomes? I think you've mentioned that. I mean, our Congress doesn't seem to be able to be to do that. <laughs> well, yeah, I I, I think a, a in order to to come up with a transformative outcome, there's, there's kind of three basic steps that I always return back to, the fundamentals of having a meeting that's going to produce the best possible result or get to that transformative outcome. So one is, it all really starts with the meeting purpose. So this is all about, you know, what are you focused on in that, in that particular meeting and the people that you're bringing together? Is, it there, is there a topic you're focused on or a specific outcome. So a topic could be something like a, a plan for something, a strategic plan perhaps, or understanding the market better for a given uh, product that you're interested in developing as an example. Or an outcome could be, you know, a specific sales target or a specific cost reduction, something that is, is quantitative. And then once you understand if you're dealing with a topic or an outcome, then you need to understand what is it that this group of people needs to either improve or change. And that's important, an important distinction. Are you improving something that's already in progress or are you looking to change something completely, which takes more creativity and innovation? So once you have, you know, you understand, do you have a topic or an outcome? What is it that you actually need to improve or change? Then you need to understand so if you improve or change that topic or outcome, what will that enable to happen after the meeting? What are you, what is that meeting outcome that you're improving or changing going to enable others to do or that group of people to do? So that's, that's just the meeting purpose. Once you have the meeting purpose, then you're ready to establish what are the meeting objectives. And the meeting objectives actually explain what is the role of the people in the meeting. What is it that you're looking for the people in the meeting to do? And then the final step, now you're ready to actually come up with the meeting outcomes, which in this case are the deliverables or that return on investment of the time and effort that you're asking participants to put into that meeting. So if you can put that upfront time into figuring out the meeting purpose, the objectives, the outcomes, and it's often an iterative process, as you ask these questions, it gets you thinking about, oh, well, we didn't think about this or we didn't think about that. But if you do your homework and do that upfront planning, that's how you set yourself up to have a really powerful meeting that produces results, gets people engaged, and then you can start having some transformative um, outcomes. So these are proven tactics, as you say, and uh, for good outcomes. Um, can we put that specifically, let's take a problem <clears throat> that our, our leaders are, have, are right now having to address. Um, I'm just going to throw something out. Well, let's talk about the problem of, let's say, getting people vaccinated. We're having this problem in New York, in New York State, uh, which is where I am okay. in New York City. Uh, the governor is 
wants all healthcare workers in hospitals to be vaccinated. It's a, presenting a huge problem issue. Um, how would you put that in the context of the tactics that you're talking about in terms of resolving that problem? Okay, so you're the what you're looking to do, your purpose is to get people who are currently not vaccinated to get vaccinated, right? There's people right. that aren't vaccinated that you're trying to get vaccinated. So, um, so this is a change. This is not an improvement. This is a, you're, you're going to have to change some minds, some mindsets in order to get people to get vaccinated. And you want to do this because you need to get the economy back, right? You need to get p- people back working, and this has become a condition for uh, people to go to work and and to live and to be safe, you know, for the economy to kind of get back to somewhat normal. So you so you you have your purpose. So then you have to figure out, okay, who do we need to get together to figure this out? So you're going to want to get people together who would be a representative sample of the people who aren't getting vaccinated. So you might have some pre work to do. You might have to do some surveying. Uh, to understand why aren't people getting vaccinated? Is it uh, open-ended questions to really to do a good research there to understand why they aren't? Is it religious beliefs? Is it uh, fear of the government? Is it uh, concern about your body and what's in the, you know, what is it? So get at, you know, who, get, the, get that data. What are the concerns? And then once you understand what are the concerns holding people back from doing that, then you know the team of people that you need to put together. You're going to need to have people in that room who have the expertise to address those reasons, okay? And then once you have the right people in the room, then I think this type of meeting is going to be a, a, a brainstorm about the problem with the right perspectives in the room. You have to establish the right climate in that room so that creativity can flourish. And there, there are conditions, researchers understand the kinds of conditions you need for that. And then um, once you get, uh, you, have, you have to have a nice inclusive process to do that brainstorming. And then once you start getting those ideas out there, there's techniques to build on those ideas and then select the best ones and then develop an action plan. But in this case, it really starts with um, bringing the right people together that really can um, troubleshoot solutions that are going to be relevant to what is causing the problem. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. I think the governor needs you right now, actually, is your <laughs> description. <laughs> have him give me a call. Yeah, it's a she. <laughs> yes. Um, where do people usually, I mean, you sort of, I guess, alluded to it, but like in your experience, let's say with other situations, where do teams get stuck where do they seem to get stuck? Is there a place that, that uh, very often is the place that's the most difficult for teams to be able to go on and to either improve the outcome or change the outcome? What I, what I see a lot of the time is that teams tend to focus uh, too quickly and too much on content and not enough on um, how are they going to achieve what they're trying to do. So the process I just talked about is a way to make sure you got the right people in the room. You have a way to engage them that they're going to be excited to be engaged about. And you're, you have a way to step them through and, and really help them help themselves and creating that right environment. And that is 
nine times out of 10, the most important part of, of having a, a successful team meeting. Now, I'm not saying the content's not important. Of course, it's important because I talked about, you know, you have to have the right people in the room who have the expertise and the perspectives that are most relevant to the problem that you're trying to solve or the, or the deliverables that you're trying to get to. Um, but, you know, as professionals, we're hired for what we know. We're hired for our expertise, our knowledge. So it's only natural when you ask professionals to lead a team that they're going to kind of lead with what they know, but that can get them into trouble. They, they really have to think about what it is you're trying to do and, and how the people in that room need to contribute to what you're trying to do. And that, and that can be hard for someone who's used to, you know, going on what they know, uh, using their expertise. It's a different type of, of expertise, if you will. So it's really critical to have these techniques to identify and address, as you say, uh, the aspects of the team, the climate that are limiting the productivity of, say, some of the other team members. Uh, you must be aware of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and there are some fairly simple tools to do some of this stuff. Um, you can do some very simple uh, types of surveys uh, in your team to test if you've established the right climate if you're a leader to help that team perform at their best. You know, this theory of mind skill I talked about earlier, uh, there are, there's more and more understanding about that. There's even tests out there that you can take to see kind of where you are on the spectrum in terms of uh, theory of mind skill. In fact, I, for fun, I had my niece and nephew over uh, for like a little summer camp and we, and we did the theory of mind test, uh, just, just for fun. And they performed very well, I might add. Um, so, so, uh, yeah, there's yeah, well, all sorts of tools out there to help. Okay. Well, so you're experimenting on your family, which is a good, thing, a good way to do it. How old, <laughs> how old were the kids? Uh, so my niece is 12, so uh-huh. she is just getting her vaccination and my nephew is nine, so hopefully he'll be able to get his uh, soon. That's great. What about, okay, so that's the personal. I, I, I get that. What about, and you've been in this, I think maybe I mentioned this in the beginning because you've been doing this for a long time, right? 25 years. I, did I mention how many years it was of corporate experience? Uh, can you name companies that uh, really do it well? Uh, and, or that are doing it well in terms of the team approach and, and being able to accomplish what they need to accomplish? I, I don't feel like I can name companies that are doing it well because I think it really gets down to the people who are leading the different teams. I think this is uh, having a good approach to teamwork is, is hard to institutionalize, if that makes sense. I think it really gets down to the people who are doing the work and that they're... Uh, well, the company can have the right culture to help teamwork thrive. Uh, so you need to have, um, you need team leaders to feel empowered uh, to lead their teams, right? You can't have a, a leader who says, okay, I want you to uh, lead this team. Here's your charter. Go do it. And then you come back and they said, no, that's not what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to do it this way. Like you need to, you know, you need to have, you need to empower people enough to, to go and do the work. And then as, as someone sponsoring that team, you need to accept what the team brings to you. Otherwise, you know, teams aren't going to work if uh, they feel that the leader's just going to do what they want to do anyways. 
So that's that's an important aspect. And um, Valerie, one thing you said that it seems to work, you know, you can have good team leadership and good teams even virtually. Because um, I think some people question that. Well, how can we, you know, we can't make a connection. We can't do all of those things that you mentioned. Uh, it's difficult to do virtually. We have to do it in person. But you say that's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily true. I agree that I prefer to be in person uh, because you you do miss that interaction, that, that feedback. But if you have the, you know, at least, at least if you have the video, you're still getting that, that visual feedback. And theory of mind skill is all, it's, it's in the brain. It's just using your powers of observation, which not only include looking at someone, but hearing the tone of their voice, looking at their, you know, their body language to get a clue of, of are they on board or are they not? You know, what's going on with them? Are they fully engaged or not? Are, are they upset about something? Are they squirming? You know, these can all be clues that something's not going well and you need to explore what's going on because there could be something there that's important for the team. Well, are there different things to look for when you're doing it virtually as opposed to being locked in a room with a group of people trying to resolve or solve a problem? Um, I I think you yeah. have to be even more focused when you are doing it virtually. I think you have to eliminate all distraction. At least I do. Because in a room, you are eliminating distraction because you're in a room. When you're not in a room, there's a lot more that can be distracting for people in all their different locations. So I think to do yourself, uh, give yourself the best chance for success, you have to, you have to try to eliminate even more distraction when you're trying to do something virtually. And, um, and that's sound and visual. And I know that can be hard, um, but the people who I think are doing really well are, you know, sitting in their basement or sitting in the garage or someplace where they know they're not going to be interrupted because it takes, I think it takes more focus because now instead of being in a room and you can just look around, you are now looking at like 10 different, you know, videos so that takes more work on your part to track what's going on, especially if you're leading that meeting. Yeah, it would seem to me it's a different, I would call it maybe even a different training program because that's what you're talking about. That I mean, you, you might have to, what if you're sitting there, you don't want to be sitting there with your five-year-old crawling up your leg, uh, you know, asking for uh, a glass of water, right? You have to right. eliminate that distraction. But... The style, I mean, that's the obvious, but I, I guess what I hear you saying is there are different distractions in these two different environments, virtual and um, in person. Maybe um, it involves a different kind of training um, doing virtual. I think so. Yeah. And, and I think technology is important too, right? I think yes. that you need to uh, make sure you have good sound and that people can hear you clearly and that you can hear them clearly, and that you have good video so that there's not a huge delay so that you can interpret what's going on. So I think technology is an important part of this as well. Absolutely. So are, are companies uh, going to be providing some of that technology, let's say, to, to their team members when they're working from, from home? Well, I think we're lucky in that uh, computers have evolved to the point that they, they are already well-equipped. You know, laptops have very good cameras on them and good sound, and most people have a nice set of headphones or earphones that they use personally that works also with the computer. So 
I think companies are, are lucky there. The technology is there. It's just a matter of, of people using it. Um, and I was just going to say something else, and it left, left my mind, just okay. like that. <laughs> That's okay. We'll, we'll go on to next, and maybe you'll, you'll remember it, because we only <laughs> have a few minutes. Back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a few minutes left. But uh, I think this is fascinating work. It seems to me it gets to be more, and we sort of have alluded to that, more of a challenge, this teamwork, uh, given the global context of all our problems. But... Um, because, you know, when you talk about teamwork, I think sometimes people think about, you know, the old concept of teamwork. That's why your book is so important. But it's not really that. We have to go on a team. We have to do this. And, you know, it's sort of this rote kind of experience. But that's definitely not true. Um, and there well, one are... One of the reasons yeah. I was I was really excited to write the book is because there have been such huge advances in neuroscience in the last 10 years to the point where behavioral scientists are really starting to get into the picture. And um, so for me, it was just, it was really fun to sort of compare my experience to what the scientists are learning and finding an alignment, you know, and, and now there are these new tools, you know, you are able to figure out your theory of mind skill and, and things like that that have been developed. So there's just, there's so much more available uh, to help us, do better as teams to understand how we can better manage our emotions in teams. And that can also be a challenge to having a good team meeting. So, um, so I think that there's, this is a good time to kind of rethink how we're doing teams and, and put some of this recent science and, and these tools to work for us. Well, I hope people are listening to you. I assume they are as um, well, once they read the book, um, that's helpful, but I, I, I assume you are engaged or with a lot of these big companies now um, with this kind of new perspective. Oh, absolutely. I'm, uh, I still work as a professional facilitator, and uh, the problems are getting tougher, yeah. um, but we have the tools, so uh, I'm, I'm, I remain hopeful, uh, even as these problems are getting tougher, uh, that we can figure out ways to address them. We're, we're smart enough to do that. Great. Well, a t- couple minutes left, so I want to uh, mention the book again, When Bad Teams Happen to Good People, Your Complete Repair Guide for Successful Teamwork. Valerie Patrick, Ph.D., is the author. So, Valerie, website and or websites we can go to for more information about your work, what you're doing, and about the book. Oh, absolutely. So the book can be found in both soft cover and audio forms on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and IndieBound websites. I've also created a YouTube video series called the TeamCast at Fulcrum Connection, and you have to put in the TeamCast Fulcrum Connection in the search box, or you'll get up get all sorts of unrelated things come up. Um, and you can also visit my website at www.fulcrumconnection.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Fulcrum Connect. Or you can connect with me on LinkedIn as Valerie Patrick, but please mention that you heard me on this show. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today, uh, Dr. Valerie Patrick. Um, we'll, uh, well, we have a lot of places that we can connect with you, which is great. Uh, the team connection, that's a really good one. Um, thank you. Thank you, Catherine, so much. I really enjoyed it. Great. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. (laughs) 